Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Garden Culture Podcast hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I first want to jump in and thank those of you who are my loyal members in the Kitchen Garden Society. It's my monthly membership, which is really a combination of keeping you on track in the garden so that you don't have to stress about it, but also infusing the magic of seasonal eating and living by the rhythms of nature, just folding all of that into your life. That is what the Kitchen Garden Society is all about. I hope you'll go check it out. This is what supports the podcast. It's www.thekitchengardensociety.com. Okay, so I want to jump in today to something that is super near and dear to my heart, and that is how you can get started gardening without any land. It is December at the time that I'm recording this podcast, and that means we are about to jump into an entire new year of gardening. So a lot of people have starting a garden as a New Year's resolution, or it's sort of a someday, maybe soon thing. And I want to encourage you and inspire you to start thinking about how you can garden in this coming year, even if you literally do not own any land whatsoever. You live in an apartment, you live in a condo, you live in the city, or you live in the country, but you don't even know where to get started. You don't have, you maybe you're renting, you're worried about that. I have eight solutions for you, many of which are tried and true. I have tried them, I have done them. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And hopefully something like this will give you a brilliant idea or even maybe just some courage to get going in any direction. So eight ways to start gardening without any land. Now, my personal story, you can go back to episode one if you want to hear it in detail, but it starts out with me gardening in one single pot that I got from Home Depot that had six plants in it, like a mixture of herbs and veggies. And I doted on that single pot like it was my job and it was, it brought me, it was like the gateway drug to my obsession with gardening. And it really made this someday I want to have a giant garden dream turn into a couple months later, I've got raised beds. And so I'll tell you how I did that in a little more detail, but I want to give you other ideas too. So my story starts out, I'm living in a townhouse I have no acreage. I've got like, I don't know. Our yard was like a little tiled patio with a little bit of sort of lawnish side yard for our dog to go to the bathroom. And that's it. Like, that's it. So that's why I had to get this pot with like the veggies and herbs in it. And I really didn't have a ton of great sunlight either. I was getting maybe six hours of sun, 
And I had to place this little pot in like a weird area back by our AC unit. And I had to drag a hose through the house. Like it was not ideal, but this was my way of proving to myself that I wanted to garden and just getting started and cultivating that little tiny, you know, maybe I'm into this vibe that I had. So number one, like intro to gardening, if you don't have any land, obviously is container gardening. So it's one pot. The pot I had was 18 inches deep by 18 inches wide. And so it was really manageable and it came, and I don't recommend this, but it came with tomato, basil, chives, bell peppers, and two other things that I can't remember, but that wasn't enough space. I asked them, I'm like, do I just leave this in this container or are they all going to grow? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. I had to plant it into something bigger eventually, although most things died. In the end, it was like the tomato and the chives that lasted. And I ended up transplanting the tomato into its own pot and really cultivating that. But container gardening can be a little terracotta pot with a basil plant in it. It can be an 18 by 18 inch pot like I had with maybe three things in it. I would say maybe basil, tomato, marigold. I've designed even two foot by four foot raised beds for a very tiny space where you can fit more things than you'd ever even imagine. I helped a girlfriend. She lived up in Venice and we put in a two foot by four foot raised bed on her little patio. We ended up getting her a second one because she loved it so much. And in that first one, I think we fit something like 16 to 21 plants because she wanted to hit all the herbs. So we're talking parsley, chives, oregano, basil, you know, multiples of all of those. And then we added in a couple other things that were really easy, Um, you know, like peas, which take up a very small amount of space and go vertical. And so that tiny container, two foot by four foot, gave her so much joy because she's growing something. It's manageable. She's adding herbs to all of her dishes and cooking, and she's making little green goddess dressings. And she's, you know, I think we threw some kale in there. She's adding that to smoothies. It's just a little up level that gets you going And container gardening, it can be portable. You can put things on wheels, buy little casters. You can physically move it around. This is a great option. So number two is vertical gardening. So there are many, I'll link in the show notes, many companies that sell these gardening towers, vertical gardens. Many of them are hydroponic. Zoe Deschanel started an entire company around this, Let Us Grow. And... It's amazing. You can be in the city, in the burbs, and have one of these tower gardens that grows anything you want. So it's taking up, I would say, what is it? Probably two to three square feet of space on the ground, but going vertical six to seven feet. So many people have a slice of sun, even on a balcony or a front or side or backyard, even if it's really small, but they can just place this vertical tower and they can still grow cucumbers, squash, tomatoes, strawberries, lettuce, edible flowers, everything. These are really, really great options. I've not had any vertical gardens myself, 
but I've seen a ton of them. And again, I'll link to some. This is a fantastic option if you really want like the biggest bang for your buck. I would say vertical gardens. These tower gardens are the way to go. Okay, number three, community gardens. So I looked into this and a community garden, I bet bet your bottom dollar, your city or somewhere in your county close by has a community garden that you just don't know about. And community gardens are incredible because you basically rent a little parcel or plot of land and get to grow your garden and you get access to a ton of resources. So not only are you going into your little garden plot whenever you want, but you're surrounded by other gardeners who know what they're doing. You've got someone there that's managing the community garden and they usually can help you get access to soil, to mulch, irrigation, classes, information, the whole nine yards. So it's very supportive. It's very collaborative if you want it to be and it's accessible. Typically there is a startup fee and a monthly fee to have your little community spot but I would say it's well, well, well worth it. And I actually love the idea of getting to go to your community garden for like strategic time away in the garden. I think it's incredible and it's beautiful. We almost rented a community garden spot when I was at my condo, but then leading me into number four, we had an interesting turn of events. But there were two or three community gardens I could have chosen from. I don't know if they all require you to live in a certain range, but look into community gardens as a hugely viable option. Um, okay, so number four, this is what I did after I decided like I was obsessed with my little one pot. One of my girlfriends and my husband like within 48 hours of each other mentioned that I build raised beds on a very small piece of community land that our HOA was in charge of. So living in my townhouse, we had this patch. It was like 12 feet by 10 feet and it was lawn. I live in Southern California and there's always a drought and the lawn was dead because the HOA was maxed out on water usage. So we would park our car and like walk across this patch of dead lawn to get into our house. It was in the front yard. There was like a tree and this patch of lawn and a parking spot for us. And as that lawn began to die <laughs> and look really unsightly, I was on, you know, we all as homeowners, I think there were seven townhouse units, maybe eight. We'd all attend these board meetings. They started talking about, you know, what to do about this sort of unsightly part of our little tiny cul-de-sac community. And coincidentally, like I said, my friend, my husband were like, what if you turned that into raised beds? And I was like, mm, maybe I could. So <clears throat> we mapped it out and I came up with a proposal for our HOA. Granted, no one really, this was like at the very end of the cul-de-sac right by our house. No one's really looking at it. We're parking by it. So it really felt kind of like <laughs> our property and I think everyone else kind of viewed it like that. Like no one felt responsibility for it, but I wanted to be really gracious about it. And I really wanted everyone to say yes. So I went to an HOA meeting with a proposal for that space. I drew out the space. I took photos. I measured things out for what I wanted to do. And I, I priced it. So my proposal was take the deadline and I will manage the project 
and I will buy everything. I will do everything. You know, that kind of just started the discussion. And then if the HOA would just allow me to do it and I could tap into like the irrigation there was my hope. So I mapped out two raised beds, four foot by eight foot, 18 inches tall, kind of like I have now. And my deal was I would share all of the veggies with the community or allow people to use it like a community garden and have some space to grow what they wanted to grow. But if no one wanted to grow anything, then I would grow it for everybody and I would share our yield and then I would make it look pretty. So I would use redwood beds and we decided to do Mexican river rock around the beds so that it was water, you know, water wise, but also looked really pretty. And lo and behold, the HOA said, yes, they were totally on board. Nobody wanted to garden with me. I don't even think they really cared about the veggie sharing. I think they were kind of like, if she wants to absorb the cost of making this look nice and setting it up, that's fine. They actually ended up chipping in for a portion of the supplies as well, like some of the Mexican river rock. Um, They gave us a stipend. We had some landscaping budget for that area. So they gave that to me to reimburse me, which was really generous. And it ended up being an insanely successful endeavor. For one, I fell even more and more in love with gardening. Number two, I had an eight-month-old son at the time, ended up um, giving birth to my daughter, uh, you know, about a year and a half after that. And so my kids got to be out there with me. My husband helped me prepare the space. We had a neighbor help us build the beds. Like it was very hands-on and it really opened up relationships with people not only in our immediate community, but just friendships that we already had that we weren't, you know, as we, it just, it gave us an another dimension to our friendships. Um, <clears throat> so we built the beds. I planted everything in the first year. I just did like a hodgepodge. But I remember, um, and I don't intend for this to be a sad story, but I'll never forget the very first harvest was a ton of basil, like perfect, beautiful Genovese, Italian basil with the big leaves. I bundled it all up. I tied ribbons around it with notes about the basil and took my son door to door with a cute little basket delivering our first harvest. Coincidentally, that same day, I actually miscarried um, a pregnancy, a baby, and I was very sad and I was in physical pain. My family was there with me. But for some reason, the garden became this savior for me and this beautiful beacon of like, this is something I want to do and I'm happy to do. And in the midst of like this struggle, literally, physically, I still get to be with my garden and share its yield. So we took the basil door to door and the Every, all of the neighbors were astounded. First of all, my son came with me and this became a tradition. Every single, maybe two weeks, he would come with me and ring the doorbell and we would say hi and we would hand over our little bundles and I would make them look super cute with paper. And it would be a mixture of things. We ended up growing a bunch of cucumbers, zinnias, squash, tomatoes. We had these really cute little paper, like cups full of tomatoes for everyone with ribbons on them. Like it was the best. And it just infused this element of, I don't know, it allowed us to really as a family be generous and engage with people we never ever would have. We weren't really that close with our neighbors. Most of them were older. And and in Southern California, that's like, that's a thing. No one's really like that close to their neighbors. So 
That was an incredible endeavor. I did that for, like I said, a year and a half, and it was fantastic. And I think everyone should do it. Number five is appeal to the city that you live in and see if there are any open spaces or city spaces that need gardening or are underutilized. So I've seen multiple cities that have even like funny little street, like, you know, the area in between, you know, two thoroughfares where there's like a green area in between the street where the city will let you garden it and own it and like make it look pretty. <clears throat> These are all things that cities love. You go to the city planner and you can offer slash ask if there's any land that they would want to have gardened or landscaped or used for growing veggies. This is not something that I've tried. It's something that I've seen. I know in the city I live in, they're very open to community outreach and things of this nature. And there are also foundations, like we have something called the Open Space Foundation, where the city and the county and the state all have agreed that this space needs to be open land used for the benefit of the public. But sometimes you can take some of that land and space and turn it into like a public use, public good project like gardening. So I've, I've actually spoken with a few people at that foundation and, and talked about doing projects in our city. I just didn't have the time to do it, but I know those opportunities are there. So turn to the city, see if there's something you can do with them. Number six, volunteer for someone else in their garden. So there are quite a few people in retirement around us that have raised beds or space for gardens or used to garden and can't anymore. Lots of stories here. But I would say if you're really looking to get hands-on experience with like a home garden, volunteering for someone else, even just once or twice a week to pull weeds or plant something or do like turnovers in their garden for spring and for fall and come check in, there's huge opportunity for this. I mean, you could charge for this. This could be a service, but you could also just volunteer. A lot of times, especially if you do live in the suburbs of the city, you can physically see people's gardens. You can see the raised bed gardens in the front or in the back. And there's a lot of opportunity, um, even as well with schools. So um, many public schools have gardening programs, private schools as well, and they always need volunteers to help in the garden. So volunteering for someone else in their garden is a great way to go. And this is something where I would just start inquiring, sort of use where proximity to dictate how you approach this. But you know, start with your immediate neighbors and your community and then move outwards from there. I mean, we went on a walk recently and the local public school down the street from us has four or five raised beds and there no one is keeping up with it. So my husband and I talked about going over there and seeing if they needed a volunteer and who used to keep it and just start asking questions and see how much time you'd be able to dedicate if they have a budget for it or if you'd need to fundraise or personally invest in it. That is a great option. Okay, so <laughs> number seven is going to sound crazy, but I have also done this because I'm crazy. So number seven is approach a restaurant or chef and see if they need help gardening or want to start a garden. So when I first moved to the city I live in now, we went to this restaurant and I noticed that they had, I'm talking a sliver of space that they converted into like a stunning raised bed garden. 
It's probably no more than a hot, like, I don't know, a hundred square feet. And they had like four raised beds, different heights, different sizes, and then a fully vertical wall that was all being gardened. And it looked amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is incredible. It's obviously for the restaurant. And it's not enough for the restaurant to not have to buy produce by any means. But you can tell that they're passionate about certain things, you know, so one full bed is kale, one full bed is radishes. And you can tell that they're using that to its fullest degree. It's supplementing things. You know, they've got like one salad on the menu, all the radishes come from the garden type of a thing. So they're not, you know, they're doing the best with what they can, all of the herbs grown on site. And I saw someone out there in the garden. So I asked about it and I was like, Hey, this is your guy's garden. Like Jesus for the restaurant. Yes. Turns out the restaurant owner's mother is the gardener. She designed the space. She keeps up with it and then has someone come help her. And that gave me the idea of approaching other restaurants or chefs and seeing if this is something that they would want my help in building and or maintaining. Since we do live in Southern California in an area that's really into like the farm to table movement, there are multiple restaurants that actually have, they've totally been incredible and and turned random spaces into gardens for the restaurant, like in the back or something. There's another restaurant kind of near us that has this whole terraced back area that I saw one night on a date night. My poor husband, I'm like, we're walking through the kitchens of this restaurant, going into their garden. I'm asking all these questions. It was incredible. But this is an area really where I feel like you got, you need to be ballsy, but asking them if that's something they would want, if it's a project you want to leave lead, or if you see the garden and would want to help out, you know, restaurants are always strapped for time and for money and just getting involved in that way with a restaurant, with a chef will like insert you instantly into community, which I think is really brilliant. So that is number eight, excuse me, that's number seven. Number eight is to go indoors. Now indoors, we can grow herbs and bulbs primarily. They do make these really cool indoor gardens that have little grow lights. Now it's different than in the spring, starting your seeds under grow lights. That's like a whole endeavor, heat mats, grow lamps, seedlings. You're not growing plants into maturity, but they make little, you know, like one foot by two foot indoor micro gardens that have a grow light that you can grow like lettuce and herbs and maybe some green bunching onions, chives type of a thing. And then also you can dabble in growing bulbs. And I know a lot of people, we're not even going to get into house plants, but that grow a ton of bulbs like narcissus, hyacinth, amaryllis bulbs. It's very seasonal, but they grow a ton of them and they force them indoors to have this beautiful experience of actually growing in soil or in water and getting to tend to their pretty bulbs like in the winter. But year round, you can grow herbs and even some leafy greens indoors, depending on light and like access to a window and sunlight, how many hours that gets, how strategic it is for you to put a table by the window or getting one of these little micro gardens that can sit on the countertop. And I will link that in the show notes. But that is number eight, growing indoors and getting resourceful with that, I think is another fantastic option. They make so many products these days to help people lean into gardening that I think are really incredible. So I hope this inspires you to get started gardening without any land. I thought I needed acreage and a farm and like to change my entire life 
to fully lean into my dream, sort of gardening, farming, homesteading, whatever I thought that I wanted and really utilizing these outlets and finding ways to make do with the space that I had was, was good enough. And it taught me so much about learning and taking things in stride and really blooming where you are planted and allowing that to trickle into the rest of your life. It's been such a beautiful journey, but you just have to get started. Take one tiny step. Hopefully this is helpful. If you have any questions, you guys know you can always email me. Go to my website, baileyvantassel.com. I am here for you. Let's chat. Until next time, happy gardening. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.